0: It is so good to have you in the house of the Lord today. It's a very special day, as you know, uh, for the church, and and it's a special season for all of us. And uh, we appreciate you coming. I notice we have some family members here today. Thank you so, so very much for coming and being a part of what we feel like the Lord is doing here at Bethel. Now, most of us are going to spend uh, some special time New Year's Eve. I hope it's... uh, sanctified, and uh, I hope you enjoy yourself, but there's no greater way, I feel like, to spend part of the Christmas, uh, I'm sorry, the New Year's Eve, than to spend it with the family of God, and what we have planned here, Brother Wade Bowick and myself, we uh, got back, I think it was back in 2013, by the way, if you need an outline of the uh, sermon, please raise your hand, and Brother Steve will make sure you get one. Just raise your hand because we want everyone to have one. Uh, latter of part of, of 2013, now Pastor Boyk uh, pastors a church uh, called United for Christ, he and his wife, and they have a great choir, <clears throat> they, uh, have, they have recordings, they've sung all over the nation, and uh, they will be here Christmas Eve. Uh, thank you. Keep me on this channel later. Uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve. They will be here New Year's Eve, and uh, we are going to have church from seven o'clock to nine o'clock. Seven o'clock to nine o'clock. Well, I I informed the Durham Ministers in Prayers. Most of you know uh, we're part of what is called Durham Ministers in Prayer. And we meet every Tuesday at 9.30 and pray from 9.30 till 10.30 at Dayspring Church on 9th Street. We've been doing that now for 13 years. And there's about 30 churches involved in this ministry. Pastors and, and, and ministers of the churches in Durham and also parachurch ministries. And uh, we pray together, about 15 to 20 of us together. And uh, so I mentioned this last Tuesday, and they wanted to be a part of it. So now it looks like we have about, and uh, we've got to work on this, about six, eight, maybe even ten churches that's going to come together for this New Year's celebration. It's called New Year's Eve celebration. And uh, each church is going to be involved. Each church is going to provide two songs If they don't provide two songs, maybe a 10 minute and three second exhortation, exhortation time. And we look to go from about 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock. And it is going to be a great evening of all of these churches coming together. We had no idea that uh, our nation would be uh, going through what it's going through now racially. It seems like divided how many of you know we need to come together as one? And the only thing, politics is not going to bring it together. Man is not going to bring it together. Humanistic ideas is not going to bring us together, but we need to come together as one. And New Year's Eve night, from 7 to 9, we're going to have black churches, white churches, Hispanic churches. Some of the Hispanic churches have called off their New Year's Eve time, and they're going to come over, and we're going to have a bilingual time, about 10, 15-minute time. They're going to be having uh, uh, songs in Spanish. They're also going to have uh, da- there's a dance team coming over. We have a young lady that's, uh, that's blind, and she sings so well, and she'll be playing the piano. And we have churches all over the city that's going to be meeting here in this church. So we, we hope that you'll make plans to come and be with us. We'll have communion. And then at the end of the service, what we want to do is join hands. All of us join hands. Make a circle all the way around this building. Inside, of course. And then if there are too many to have one circle, we'll make a circle within the circle. And we'll all meet together. And we'll end 2014, with this great prayer of unity and loving each other and caring for each other, praying for our nation, praying for our churches, and we need that so, so much. And so we hope, if you've not, now I know some have already have plans, we understand that, but if you do not have plans, New Year's Eve, please come and be with us. This morning, what I'd like to do is set up a courtroom. In fact, I'd like to have this chair. I found out someone told me in the foyer the history of this chair. We've had it for years. I did not know the history of this chair. I won't go into that, but I want to use this chair as a witness stand. Now, most of us are familiar with court. We we remember uh, Matlock and Andy Griffith and how that... He won cases, but probably most of us, maybe some of our, the younger congregation, does not do not remember Perry Mason. You remember Perry Mason? Perry Mason uh, was a Los Angeles attorney, criminal attorney, and he saw to it that uh, most people were were. were found not guilty. In fact, Perry Mason had about 300 trials. And did you ever see him lose a you ever see him lose a, a trial? Did you ever see it? You know how many he lost? 3. Over the many years, in fact it was one of it was the most popular uh court show in ever. But over the many trials that he had, right at 300, as I said, he only lost three. And then one of those was reversed. So he only lost two. But this morning, I'd like to have a trial. And I'd like to have witnesses to come. Of course, whether it's Perry Mason or Matlock or whoever it might be, or the court downtown. An eyewitness is very important. If you saw it. You had, it was, it was it carried a lot of weight w- with it. One guy gets up in the court and he's a witness and, and the attorney, opposing attorney said, did you see this happen? He said, yes. I saw this crime take place. He said, how far away were you? He said, about 200 yards. 200 yards? How far can you see? He said, well, how far is the moon? But I want to call some witnesses today. And I want them to come and, 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 and take the witness stand. And this is a question that I want to ask. What do you think of Jesus? There are people that believe he was a good teacher, a good man. There are some that don't believe in him at all. But the way to find out is to ask somebody that knew him, that actually saw him, and we're going to bring them to the witness stand and set them in the witness chair, and we'll ask them today, what do you think of Jesus? The ultimate goal of this brief morning with me sharing is not to find out what they think of Jesus but to find out what you think of Jesus. Now it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be all fair so to speak if we just brought his friends and sat them in the chair. So I want to start off with his enemies. I want to ask them a question. I'll be Raymond Burr or I'll be uh, Matlock or whoever but I want to ask them questions and I want to ask you sir, Well, let's take the first one to come to the stand. We can't find a greater enemy of Jesus than a Pharisee. Pharisees were religious leaders of that day. They hated him. They persecuted him. In fact, they're the ones that had him hung on a cross. And so my desire is to bring up a Pharisee in all of his regal robe and all of his uh his entourage with him. And I want to ask him, sir, what do you think of this man? Luke chapter 23 and verse 35. And the people stood looking on. This is when Jesus was hanging on the cross. But even the rulers, the Pharisees with them sneered saying, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is a Christ, the chosen of God. So even the enemy of Jesus said and confessed, you know what? He really did save others. Thank you, sir. Step down from the witness stand. I want to call also to the witness stand, Caiaphas. You say, my friend, who is Caiaphas? He's the chief priest and president of the Sanhedrin at the mock trial. Understand that. At the mock trial of Jesus Christ. And this Caiaphas, this high priest, he himself accuses Christ of being a blasphemer And you know the reason that he accused Jesus of being a blasphemer? Mr. Caiaphas says that this man, this man Jesus, is a blasphemer. And the reason that he says this, we find it in St. Luke chapter 22. Uh, And he spoke concerning 69, and he spoke... Can you bring that up? I'm sorry. I did not get that on my page, and I really, really do need that. This man says of Jesus concerning how his his thoughts of him what he thought of this man ah uh, in fact uh we're going to read some notice is it on the screen here yes hereafter the son of man will sit on the right hand of the power of god this is none other than Jesus Christ. And that's what infuriated the religious leaders. That's what infuriated the high priest of that day is because that Jesus Christ spoke that he was the Son of Man. He wasn't just a good teacher. He was not just a good person. He was the Son of God. And that was what Caiaphas the great chief priest and president of the Sanhedrin thought. And that's the reason that they hated him. Step down, Caiaphas. I know you think he was uh, not the son of man, but I want to hear someone else. You know who I want to bring up now? I want to bring up the man by the name of most all of us know this name, Pontius Pilate. Pilate, would you come? Here, you judge others. Let us talk to you a minute. Let us ask you questions. Mr. Mr. Pilate, he was the governor, of course, of Judea. I want to ask you, what do you think of this, this man called Jesus? A carpenter's son. Someone that's 30 years old. And he burst on the scene with all kind of miracles and all kind of happenings. He comes to us today, and now they have him before, the great governor. Pilate, you've interrogated him. You've talked to him. You've spent time with him. He's talked back to you. Pilate, let me ask you, what do you think of this man Jesus? And Pilate emphatically says, I find No fault in him. Wow. And you're the governor. You're the one that can let him go. You're the one that can release him. You're the one that supposedly, Mr. Pilate, be the one that will condemn him or can condemn him him to death. You find no fault in him. Step down, Mr. Pilate. Someone else I want to come to that witness stand is a man by the name of Judas. That's Judas Iscariot. All of us knows that name. All of us knows what Judas did. A man that walked with him for three and a half years. A man that was there when he performed the miracles. He raised the dead, healed the sick, opened blinded eyes, caused the crippled to walk. Judas Iscariot. In fact, Judas was so close To the twelve and so close to Jesus, he was the man that they entrusted the money to. Judas, you've betrayed him. You've sold him for 30 pieces of silver. His enemies now have him in their hand. They're marching him from mock trial to mock trial. They've taken off that regal robe or that purple robe. They've taken it off and put a shame robe on him. They have beat him. You've seen all this, Judas. You have in your purse now, you have in your possessions, 30 pieces of silver that you've sold him to. But Judas, I want to ask you something. You've seen all this. You've gone through all this. Now what do you think? Really think of this man called Jesus as he rushed back to the powers to be as he went back before them took the 30 pieces of silver and threw it to the floor and he says please take this back he says I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood Judas is now convicted. Judas now recognizes his mistake. But rather than repenting like Peter did that sin during that time, rather than coming to Jesus Christ and saying, I am so sorry, and allowing Jesus to forgive him, Judas goes out and he hangs. Here's one I want to really, I really want to question this because he's tall. He's got an armor on. He, in fact, the Roman centurion, which was over a hundred of the guards, the Roman guards, he had special attire that he wore. He wore a great helmet, and on that helmet was feathers to make him look taller, intimidating. Here is a man that no one messes with. Here is a man that has proved himself to the point that he's elevated to the leader of the Roman army. And I watch him as he stands, six feet three, with all of his armor, and he he comes to the witness stand. You see, he was the one that made sure everything was done right at the crucifixion. Because there were many people that loved Jesus. Perhaps there'll be a riot. Perhaps there'll be a disturbance. Perhaps they will come and try to take this man down from the cross. And so the centurion and all of his followers and all the soldiers of Rome, they were stationed there to make sure that Jesus Christ would die and that no one would intervene. Mr. Centurion, yes, you were there. In fact, sir, you were were standing at the base of that cross. What do you say about this man? Look at the blood. Look at all that he's gone through. Hear him cry from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Watch the weeping women at a distance. Know that all the disciples have left him. They said he performed miracles. What's he doing now hanging on the cross? Mr. Centurion, what do you think of Jesus Christ? After that there was darkness over the face of the earth. After the earthquake and the stones were, were ripped, after down in the temple, the curtain, the veil that hung between the holy and the holy of holies was rent from top to bottom. After all of this, Mr. Centurion, what do you think of Jesus? This is what this six foot three Hardened Roman soldier came to the final conviction. Truly, this man was a son of God. Oh, that rivets through this courtroom. But thank you, Mr. Centurion, would you step down? Now, I don't know how I would do this. But if I could, I would call at least one of the legion of demons to come. And to sit in this chair and interrogate them and ask them what they thought of this man. the demon said, I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. All of these. Were enemies of Jesus. But none of them could not say anything, but that, that was true. And they really validated Christ. They really validated his ministry by the words that they said. But could I call a few more witnesses to the stand? Would it be okay? Would it be okay if I called, I called the preacher of preachers, I called the man that came out of the desert clothed like no other preacher, was clothed. He ate and had a funny diet. And they called his name John. And they called him John the Baptist because he was a baptizer. He baptized many in the river of Jordan, person after person. In fact, listen to this. Listen, listen. The Bible says that they all came out to be baptized of John hundreds of people came out and John you're saying you're not the one no yeah but you have a great following I'm not he but as John was baptizing I can see him carrying one under and bringing him back and I see him as he looks across the horizon and over the hill comes a man And he looks at him. And here's what this witness would say. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Hallelujah. That's the preacher of all preachers. Step down, John. Thank you so very much. I want to call next Nathaniel. Nathaniel, most of us maybe not know Nathaniel. He was the one who questioned, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? After spending time with Jesus, after getting to know Him, Nathaniel, what do you think of Him? Nathaniel says, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. Thank you, Nathaniel. Step down. I'd like to bring a lady up. I'd like to bring Martha up. Martha. Martha. You knew Him well. He would come to your house, you and Mary's house often. In fact, he spent time with you a lot. You knew him. You knew his ups and his downs. You knew his hurts and his pains. You knew he was human, just like we are. You knew him, Martha. Tell this congregation, tell this group, tell this courtroom what you think of Jesus. Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ the Son of God, which should come into the world. Thank you, Martha. It's always good to have a lady's perspective on all this. But I want to call now a man that I believe is so important, that played such a vital role. And the gospel being spread. That on the day of Pentecost he preached. And 3,000 people were saved. A man that loved Jesus so much. That when they got ready to crucify him. He said I'm not worthy to be crucified like this man. I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus Christ. Crucify me upside down. But Peter. Peter, you denied him. Peter, at the worst time you you followed afar off. Peter, you even cursed and said you didn't know him. But now you know him, right? Now what do you think of him? Now do you really believe do you really believe enough in him that you would give your life for him? Peter, I hear Peter saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then there was John the Beloved. Step to the platform, John. This is not John the Baptist. This is his disciples, John the Beloved. And I love the way he starts off his writing. One of the greatest books ever written was written by John the Beloved. And notice the way he starts it off. Notice what he says. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No greater words. John is the one that laid on his shoulder. John is, is one of the inner circle that he took with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. John is one that, that was, stood there with Mary, the mother, at the crucifixion. John. Step down, John. Thank you so much. Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch of whom we read in Acts chapter 8. I don't have time to go into his story, a great, the great, a great story of this man, a foreigner that had come from Philip had got to preach to him, and he was baptized. Notice what this Ethiopian eunuch said. I believe that Jesus Christ is a son of God. I want to call Thomas. I don't know if I should or not. Because all of us know Thomas is doubting Thomas, and I'm not too sure how he's gonna act on the witness stand. Is he gonna accept? Is he gonna deny? Is he gonna go mum and just but I'm calling Thomas. Thomas, would you come? Thomas said I I can't believe he rose. I didn't want him to die, but I can't believe he rose. I, in fact, I'm not going to believe it unless I, can, unless I can put my fingers in his hands, his nail-scarred hands. I'm not going to believe it unless I can put my fingers in his side where the spear opened up the water and the blood. Thomas, Timmy, what do you think of this Jesus. When Jesus came into the room and these disciples were so afraid. This time Thomas was with them. He comes up to Jesus and Jesus could have said, You know what, Thomas? I don't want you part of my entourage anymore. You couldn't believe me? I'm not going to show you anything. I'm not going to prove anything to you. But Jesus walked up to doubting thomas and he put out his hand and he said my hand and thomas slowly reaches his hand down to this hand the hand that had laid been laid on the sick a hand that touched blinded eyes a hand that raised the dead Thomas reached forth his hand, and there were the nail prints. Thomas reached forth his hand. He said, Jesus said, He said, Thomas, my side. And he touched his side. Now, Thomas, what do you say? My Lord and my God. Thomas is no longer a doubting Thomas. And he was so convinced until he gave his life as a martyr for Jesus Christ. As the courtroom grows quiet, I call one more witness. The last witness. I call this witness with reverence. I I call this witness with awe. And I simply ask him, not demand that he come. But I invite him to come and and sit in this witness stand. Father, God, would you come and be a witness today? If we could, the creator of all things, the God of all the universe, the father of Jesus Christ. As he sits in the witness stand and he's pleased, he's pleased with the sacrifice. He's pleased that culminating from time past, thousands of years earlier. He sits with his arms folded and his legs crossed and he's wanting to talk about his son. You see, the father likes to talk about his son. God? What do you say about this this man Jesus? I mean, you're God. You know all things. There's not a one of us that don't know the story hardly of the, of the great baptism of John the Baptist. When Jesus went under the water and comes up out of the water. Something miraculous happens. The Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes and lightens on his shoulder. And thundering, thundering from heaven is a voice. God And he says, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Can I get a witness? Can we witness for him? There's a song. That, we, that has been written from the book of St. Matthew, chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. You see the reason. The reason that Jesus came was that God needed to show Himself to mankind. A missionary was, Moravian missionary, went to the West Indies to preach. And he wanted to preach to the slaves. The, the ones that went out and did the work. and they, But they worked from morning to night. And so when they came in, the missionary, the Moravian missionary, he couldn't talk to them. They were too tired. And so he tried to preach to them, to witness to them, to tell them about Jesus. But he couldn't. And so he... He prayed and he said, what can I do to get this to these West Indies people, these slaves that don't know about Jesus? He sold himself into slavery. This missionary became a slave. And he went to the field to work with the workers. He'd go where they went. He would do the work they did. He would sleep where they slept. And the whole time, during the breaks, he was able to tell them about Jesus because he became a slave. You see, God wanted me to know about God. He wanted you to know about God. He wanted mankind to know about God. And so he said, I will take the jewel of heaven. I will take the best I've got. I will take the closest thing to my heart. And I will send it down to the planet earth where people are. Not to be just a baby in a manger. And that happened not to be a 12 year old astonishing the scholars of that day and that happened not to work on bird houses and boxes and all kind of things in the carpenter's shop and that happened but I'll sit him down to hurt to be beaten To be nailed to a cross and to give his life so God, I love this. You're talking about Christmas. So God could identify with man. And so man could identify with God. What a plan. Oh, I'm exhausted I'm overwhelmed. I'm taken back with such a plan. I am so moved that the God of heaven would bankrupt heaven of his son. Send him down to die. That word Emmanuel is very important. That word Emmanuel means God with us. People by the, people by the thousands, by the millions will, will worship the Lord. Worship, and I put that in quotations sometimes. They'll worship the Lord during the Christmas season or Easter season. And then they forget all about God. But this God... This Jesus that we've had witness after witness to talk about is the same one that knew when Martha and Mary lost their brother. That stopped the buyer, the casket of the widow woman's son that was weeping. The same one that could come. In in fact, Not just 2,000 years ago, but the same one that could, when they've told you you have cancer, and they put you on a stretcher, and they're rolling you down the corridor, and as you look up, lights are going. You don't know what's at the end of this little trip. You don't know what the word will be when you come out of that operating room. But you know this. This you know. That God with us, he is walking with you down that corridor. And when they put you in that operating room, and it's so cold in there and you sh- you're shivering and you you're shivering on the inside too. And they take those warm blankets that they get out of the, the heat place. And they take those two blankets and lay them over you. And it's so warm. It feels so comforting. And yet the peace of God speaks not only to the outside, but the inside of your heart. And you become warm. And you say, everything's going to be all right. His name is called Emmanuel, and there's a reason because he's God with us.